Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Dustin here, and this is episode number 64 with one Quint Geis. Uh, this is sort of a SA grad part two episode. Uh, Quint recently uh, wrapped up his SA grad program and got a job as a residence hall director at Gonzaga University. Um, so I believe he just started that job, so congrats to him on uh, securing that. Uh, and we just talk about uh, pretty much the whole experience that he had of how he chose to go to grad school, uh, where he chose to go, and just his experience of uh, living his life uh, uh, going through grad school. And uh, he got married during uh, that time, at least engaged. I believe, um, perhaps married uh, as well. So um, he lived a lot of life experience and um, just kind of having a unique journey of uh, how he got into his SA grad program, what he did while he was there, and where he ended up afterwards and why he ended up where he did. Um, so a lot of cool stuff and just uh, continuing to delve into the uh, current state of things for SA grads out there. Uh, I think there's just a lot to talk about. Um, so I believe we will probably continue to discuss it. Uh, and I'm still reflecting uh, on my experience and kind of how that all matches up with where I am now and what I do and what I will be doing in the future. So um, really appreciate Quint uh, taking some time out for this episode. Uh, keep on sharing the show and the episodes. Keep listening. Uh, check out our full library. There's so many awesome episodes on great topics with amazing excellent folks uh, professionals from all across the country and even international so uh, we're across the globe here getting around and uh, more awesome stuff to come so appreciate you all listening appreciate you all sharing uh, appreciate any good feedback and reviews you can give for us as always so without further ado this is episode number 64 with quint geis before we get into this episode, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the National Center for Student Life, which hosts the National Conference on Student Leadership coming up this fall from November 19th to the 22nd in Washington, D.C. Since 1978, NCSL has trained thousands of students and advisors in heart-centered, values-based leadership skills designed to help drive transformative change within the individual and on campus. I've spoken personally at NCSL for the past five years and I've seen firsthand how the NCSL conference helps students and advisors apply learning to address the real challenges that are, they're facing on their campus and in their community through this thing they call the NCSL Call to Action Program. NCSL really, it brings together the country's best leadership presenters into one place to give both the students and the advisors this, this, it's, this, this life-changing experience. And I've always been blown away at the level of value received from their conferences. And in addition to hearing from these amazing top-notch presenters, students also learn from each other in this student forum on civic engagement and I should note, NCSL is the first student leadership conference to offer students the opportunity to earn a digital badge to document their leadership development. So if you're looking for a student leadership conference to attend, I highly recommend checking out NCSL at nationalcenterforstudentlife.com. That's nationalcenterforstudentlife.com. With that, let's get going and get this show on the road. All righty. So uh, how is life for you out there in uh, Nebraska these days? It is good. It's good. You know, summer's ramping up. It's getting warm. You know, we got a 
kind of campus is kind of busy. Got a lot of students visiting for enrollment days, trying to figure out classes, stuff like that. But yeah, it's good and warm and uh, trying to enjoy, you know, the time I got left here in Nebraska. So very cool. Yeah. And I'm jealous. Uh, currently today, it's been like a multiple day stretch of just gray raininess and cold in Maine. So um, it's good for you. I'm happy for him. Glad. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll dive right in because we got a lot that we uh, we want to talk about here. So um, so we'll start as we always do um, of kind of just introducing yourself and your story, how you got to be where you are today. Well, I was uh, born and raised in a small town in Henderson, Nebraska. I grew up in a, in a on an acreage outside of town. Um, Henderson, Nebraska is in town. It's a pretty uh, small, conservative place. Uh, a lot of far, a lot of people from farming backgrounds. A lot of farmers in the area, uh, but a pretty all in all, pretty monotheistic place. Um, and after I had finished my high school, I decided where you know where do I want to go next? What do I want to do? And so um, I knew I wanted to be close to home because my family is a very close knit family. We spend a lot of time together. We like each other a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be close to home. And so I chose Doan College in Crete, Nebraska, which is about 45 minutes away um, from my hometown. Um, And what I love about Crete and about Doan is that it provided me with all the opportunities I could uh, want. Um, I was a student at a really small school in high school that could pretty much do all the things he wanted to do. And I kind of wanted to continue that same type of feeling in college. And so um, I had went to Doan on a, a vocal music and a theater scholarship mm-hmm. and um, uh, was also involved in the leadership program there and different things. And so that's what was really attracted me to it. Also, just the, the private school and the liberal arts education, the focus on getting a better understanding of the holistic person, I think, was a big focus of mine. And um, I, over my course of four years there at Doan, I became just heavily, heavily involved. And I kind of had to um, you know, take some steps back my uh, my sophomore year because I just became so engaged with everything. Um, but about my sophomore year, I had shadowed a counselor because I was studying psychology and just found out I really didn't want to be a counselor. Um, <laughs> I did the shadowing experience and found that it wasn't my thing. And so I had <clears throat> had and, and still have a great mentor there at Doan, uh, Dr. Carrie Petter, who um, uh, she's the direct, she was at that time the director of the Hanson Leadership Program. And um, she kind of, we had kind of grown close together because in my first few weeks of the, of, at Doan, I lived in what, like a learning community. It was focused on leadership mm-hmm. and it was in sweet styles, but just for the students who were in the leadership program. So at the time, that was 24 students. So 10 uh, women and, or 12 women and 12 men. And uh, basically, what happened is that in my suite, there was an all out war, a straight up battle between top floor, bottom floor that got really heated. Um, and kind of escalated to the point in which one of my roommates called the police on the oh, other geez. So it got really heated really fast, <laughs> which really actually bonded uh, Dr. Petter and I pretty close because that was her first year at Doan. Um, and, you know, that was obviously my first year at Doan. And I became kind of the mediator, the person who could see both sides of the perspective, talk to both groups. And so um, Dr. Petter and I became very close, but she was a, kind of a mentor in my time. and helped introduce me to student affairs and what it looked like and, you know, pull me into her office and talk to me about, you know, well, you're an orientation leader and, you know, you help with the leadership program and you're in student government. And do you realize that these things are kind of like culminating into a field? All of these things is a field of study and, and people, you know, pursue that and, and you wonder, you know, kind of what did I do to get here? 
um, to this current space. And so, you know, I think that happens for a lot of student affairs practitioners and professionals. And so that kind of happened to me too. Somebody was, was kind enough and cared enough about me to pull me aside and introduce me to it. And so um, I wrapped up my four years there at Doan and absolutely loved it and had a great experience. Um, that's where I met my wife. And um, it was just, yeah, it was everything I wanted it to be. And uh, started to think about in my senior year, what student affairs programs do I want to go into? And so I was looking around the Midwest because at that time um, <clears throat> I knew that I was going to propose to my then girlfriend, now wife. And so I knew that I wanted to be close for helping to be a part of the planning process right. and be a part of kind of the whole wedding festivities. And so um, I was looking in the Midwest and the University of Nebraska Lincoln really stood out to me. Um, it was a focus on um, um, research which was an emphasis of mine. I some, someday want to pursue my doctoral degree. I don't know about right now, but someday. And um, it was a, a focus on the cohort model, which was really kind of allowing for the students in the cohort to take classes together and spend that time together, which was really important to me coming com from that small, small town, small school background, is that I wanted to be with people and kind of build relationships with a group of people. Um, and, you know, I chose, at the same time, chose UNL because um, it's a school of 25,000 and Dona is about a, a, a school of about 1,000. And so it was a pretty significant hike in the number of students. Um, also, it offered an assistantship um, that I ended up taking in um, career services here at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And so, you know, great experience, uh, a great focus on academics. Um, it also puts um, students who enter the, the cohort model in a pretty great financial position in, in, in which your tuition is waived and you get a monthly stipend. And so that was another consideration as someone who comes from a low SES background. Um, I have a significant amount of student loan debt mm. um, from my undergraduate degree and really didn't want to accumulate more in a master's degree. Um, and so that was another great reason and all the stars kind of aligned and all things kind of pointed me in that direction. Um, and then, um, you know, th this program has been you know, challenging, challenged me and pushed me in a lot of different ways. Um, but I think it's prepared me for kind of the next step. So, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be, a be a residence director at Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington. So I'm excited about kind of that next journey of, of our life, um, and, and where it takes us. And, uh, we're excited about the Pacific Northwest and opportunity to be outdoors more, to get outside, to enjoy kind of that element of it. Um, and just to be in a different place, my wife and I just felt a calling to take an adventure and we felt like this was a good one for us. And so we're really excited and, and now just kind of trying to put together things here in Lincoln before we make our way to Spokane. Very cool. Um, yeah, and it's just the full story there. It's very uh, neat to kind of hear how everything kind of shaped up for you. Yeah. Um, and just to, to focus in on some specific things, so you, you kind of noted, I guess, about um, and kind of what we want to focus on is sort of the essay grad experience. This mm -hmm. is a sort of a part two episode. Um, and, you know, uh, looking back, I guess, and um, just to lay a little bit more foundation before we get to some other stuff, you said your program was like research-based. So I guess just walk us through, I guess, what, what sort of classes did you take? Uh, what projects did you have to do? Um, and I don't know if there was, like, did you do any sort of uh, internship in between your two years? Just kind of fill out, I guess, that part of the story so you can kind of get a little insight into a, a what you know how it strikes me like I, I have not encountered or looked into any sort of research-based student affairs programs and I guess just I have, I'm curious of like what sort of classes and uh, mm -hmm. assignments and different kind of involvements you had during your time yeah. there. 
Absolutely. So I would say really kind of just kind of broadly, it was really focused on um, reading and writing. That was basically the focus. So we never took a comprehensive exam. Mm. Um, we only took exams kind of in one of our classes, which was a statistics-based course. Uh, but outside of that, it was all reading and writing. So just lots and lots of information and trying to kind of compute and analyze that information and kind of then pass it on through kind of what your perspective was on it. Um, the the program itself um, was, like I said, a cohort model, and so I worked with um, about a group of 20 people pretty much in my two years, and through that, to be in the program, um, to get into the cohort, you actually have to get an assistantship, and so what happens when students are recruited to this program, um, <clears throat> they can make it into the program, but to make it specifically into the, the student affairs cohort, then they have to come on to campus and do on-campus interviews for assistantships. And so then those assistantships decide who's in the cohort. Right. Um, and so that, that was an interesting phase, right, in, in kind of deciding for, for the, um, you know, the different offices on campus to decide who they want to work with and how that models and shapes the cohort at its, as itself. I think one of the most fascinating things about, that I've learned about a cohort model after seeing kind of three years of cohorts, right, one above my own cohort and the one below my cohort, um, is seeing just kind of the way that personalities and people shape a cohort and also the way that size shapes a cohort and mm. that, that it has a pretty significant effect. Um, but specifically about my program, just thinking a little bit about um, the classes. You talked a little bit about that. And so there was kind of kind of two elements of it. It was kind of the research-focused thing. So you could take a statistics and you had to take a qualitative, uh, a qualitative research class. And we also took like an intro to research class. Um, but at the same time, there was kind of just like understanding students. So there was classes kind of like college students in America or college student personnel um, and kind of broader classes. We also had a um, law and higher education course. Mm -hmm. um, we had a um, introduction to theory or uh, kind of our theory course that we talked about. Um, and we also, another unique element, a class that happened in our cohort model is what's called the seminar class. And so what that was is that we met once a week to talk about kind of different things in the program, to assess different needs that we had, to talk about our experiences, but to also challenge different perspectives. Um, and I think the other thing that, that kind of bled into all the classes was the concept of a social justice focus, and that's kind of the focus of the program as a whole. Um, and so Dr. Bondi and Dr. Roman are kind of leading the program, really have that lens in the way that we consider everything. And so whether it was we were talking about law or we were looking at theory and how it applies, um, social justice was kind of the lens for how we addressed most things. Um, but yeah, so the, the thesis focus that I talked a little bit about, what's nice about this program in particular is that you um, are assigned an advisor who works with you. And um, this, in between my two years, this became a thesis optional program. Mm -hmm. And so I had decided when I came in that I wanted to do the thesis. But if you don't do the thesis, you can do a capstone paper, um, which is also a lot of work too. But um, just a kind of a different option instead if you don't want to do the research um, specific stuff. Uh, but for me, that research was really intriguing because I felt like it gave me an opportunity to tackle some things that is some areas of the field that are really specific to the, the highly academic side of student affairs or right. to the graduate student side of affairs. Um, so, because you, you don't really, I don't think, get that experience in a practical sense, because it's hard to be a full-time practitioner and also be doing research on the side. Um, and so, for me, that was a, a big draw. 
And um, th there was also available resources. That's one thing that when I was visiting other programs, I was trying to pay a lot of attention to. If I want to pursue a master's thesis, what's the availability for having someone advise me or having the support that I needed? Mm -hmm. And I felt <clears throat> that was really strong here, that, that having a great advisor, my advisor here at University of Nebraska-Lincoln was Dr. Deb Mullen, and um, she's the Associate Dean of College of Education and Human Sciences here at Nebraska, and she really was a great resource. She's been here for uh, a lengthy amount of time and has helped many master's students um, with their um, uh, master's thesis. And so having that expertise was just a resource that I really can't, you, it's hard to duplicate that at different places if you don't have people who've had that experience over time. Um, and so for me, that was a, that was a huge benefit. Uh, but yeah, classes were kind of a variation between um, theory and the focus on kind of understanding students and personnel. But also then, I, like I said, the seminar class was a, was a big point of emphasis as well. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, that feels very familiar because that seems like a very similar structure to the uh, um, college student affairs program at Rutgers that I went to, just like yeah. the seminar thing and just like having to have an assistantship and mm -hmm. um, some of that good stuff. So and I feel like that was really an, an a beneficial, impactful kind of model that you had, like the seminar things that have a platform to talk about the experience that you're currently having. And then, um, yeah, like the law class. And we, we had just sort of a one class that was all sort of the, the research and assessment stuff all together. Um, mm -hmm. And I think ours was just sort of a hybrid, I guess, of everything. It didn't have like a specific focus, but it, it really was comprehensive. It had all the different yeah. stuff in it. So, um yeah, and I think that, I mean, you, you have a point, I guess I just want to kind of emphasize it a little bit before we move on. It's just, um, I think like any program worth their salt, my, my opinion on it, and it's certainly just my opinion, but um, needing like the requirement for an assistantship just makes so much sense to me of like, yeah, like just helping the graduate students in the program secure a job, have income, and also yes. having like tuition remission and all that kind of stuff. Like, yes. just makes so much sense. Because like you're saying, like you were, you know, you had you know, student loans and stuff from uh, undergrad. And I think a lot of students are going to have that no matter when they come in or even if they're not, yeah. if they don't have it needed to have some livelihood. And it's also exactly. like just an access issue of just allowing for all sorts of people to come in and, uh, you know, get the benefit of that uh, the yeah. master's degree credential sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, and I think, I think too, it's really important too, if, if we want to be a field of access, right. If we want to um, encourage underrepresented populations to be a part of student affairs and help other college students. We really have to think about what are the stepping stones for those students, um, whether that's a student from low SES background or a student from um, a minority population, whatever that case may be, what are we doing to make it accessible so that they can approach those, um, those programs and be really successful and go to the programs they feel most connected to and passionate about, right? Because I think in, in, in looking for a graduate school, looking for graduate school and then looking for your first job, Fit is the conversation a lot. I think a lot of people talk about fit, mm -hmm. uh, but I also think it has to be about access uh, because not all graduate programs are accessible for everyone. It just doesn't it doesn't pan out that way. I wish it was, but that's not the case. Yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely it's a it's an important point. Yeah, just because uh, I like that that correlation you made of just like that's an important tenant and principle and mm -hmm. effort we have in our field. <laughs> it's almost yeah, contradictory if. if not everyone who wants to pursue it can uh, kind of get into the field because increasingly now that's you know becoming a necessary credential to sort of have the, right. the master's degree and kind of the, the learning on your side as well as experience. So, um, and you noted that um, you know you've graduated and you've secured your first full-time job post grad and everything. So, um, uh, I guess you have the benefit now of being able to reflect back. Just give some insight, and this will be you know 
helpful for people conducting job searches because they can sort of understand what the impact was on you of going through the process, but also for people who are are anticipating a job search soon, they can hopefully get some advice from uh, your experience. But maybe just reflect back and kind of give some insight about how your job search went, how you pursued, you know, jobs. And you said you sort of wanted to, I guess, get out of your comfort zone or kind of go on an adventure or something and um, just kind of, I guess, go over everything that um, was a part of your job search. Yeah. For me, it was really focused on, so first I didn't really know how to go about the job search process. So I guess one of the biggest pieces of advice is that reaching out to people is really important. Um, Hopefully along kind of everyone's experience, they have mentors that they kind of, that walk the journey with them and understand their process as a professional, but also as a person. Mm -hmm. And so talking to those people specifically helped me a lot, helped me kind of put together a game plan and understand, okay, if this is where I want to be, what are my steps in between? Um, For me, I had to think a lot about, since I was moving outside of the Midwest, both my wife and I um, grew up here in Nebraska, and she grew up in Lincoln, I grew up in that small town Henderson that I was speaking about before. And so branching out takes kind of a step in understanding what's the network past this. And so one, I tried to understand through kind of professional organizations, both ACPA and NASPA, what are my connections to kind of abroad and to different spaces, specifically I was looking Pacific Northwest, so what are my connections there? Um, and I actually worked um, quite a bit with a, a former um, guest on this show, actually, um, Claire Katie, who mm-hmm. um, I had done my master's thesis on collegiate homelessness. And so Claire and I had worked a lot together, kind of talking back and forth. But um, she was a great connection for me to the Pacific Northwest, helping me get connected to people I knew. Um, and so great resource. But at the same time, too, I didn't have a lot of resources outside of that. So one of the things I started to say is, then how do I get connected to these people? I asked myself that question, what do I need to do to get connected to people out there? So one of the the great opportunities that we have in our field is the hiring conferences. So um, OPE, TPE, um, the conference, the hiring conference that goes on at ACPA as well. Um, those are great resources because one, it gets you a seat at the table with the person who you want to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I... I felt like that was my biggest jump and that was the thing I needed to find a connection to. And that's actually what got me connected to Gonzaga was that I went to TPE in New Orleans this last year and uh, had two interviews with Gonzaga there. And that went a really long ways in being able to get the opportunity to come on a campus and to talk um, and interact with you know those individuals on campus there in Spokane. And so for me, I think that's important. Um, one of the things I also consider when you're thinking about how you consider which conferences you go to or if you want to go to conferences is, again, accessibility. So, you know, it's not the cheapest thing in the world to go to New Orleans and spend a chunk of time there. That's not the cheapest thing. That's not accessible for everyone. So if that's not the case, um, can you take advantage of some of the online resources that are available through some of those hiring conferences? And if so, you know, just planning ahead so that you have those things kind of uh, networked out. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you can do is you can still kind of have an account but not go to, not physically go to the site. Um, and so, you know, you can have on TBE an account, apply for jobs through that account, um, but not, not physically go to New Orleans and employers understand that. And so that's another thing to think about is kind of how can you um, use the function and the tool and the mechanism to get what you need out of it, even though it may not work. Um, the other thing I would say with any of those conferences is figure out who else is going and how else you can reduce on costs. So for me, it was having cohorts member cohort members going was really important and also sharing rooms, sharing, you know, getting food there, having it in our fridge, things like that, just kind mm-hmm. of reducing the cost throughout the whole time and <clears throat> taking advantage of the resources that they have. Um, 
you know, for TPE, they definitely had kind of like the orientation phase and telling you how to all go about it. So that was really important. Um, when I think kind of philosophically on how I chose the Pacific Northwest or what positions I looked for, um, for my graduate assistantship, I was here in career services at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and I wanted to kind of move out of that field. I had chose career services as an assistantship position because at Dillon College, career services at the time when I was there was one person. And here at the Nebraska, here at UNL, it's you know close to 25 people. You know, a lot of people in one office, but other people in satellite offices as well. So it was a new experience to what career services could be with just people power. And so I chose career services, um, had enjoyed my experience, but felt that I really wanted to do more developmental work with students. And I also thought, you know, there's I'm not exactly sure which area of student affairs I want to go into, um, but I kind of want to just get that experience right away of getting a lot of different areas of thought. And so for me, um, residence life or housing was a really great field area. The other really big benefit generally for anyone who looks for those positions is that there's just quantifiably more. There's just more positions in those fields. And so, you know, some of my peers really chose specific areas like Greek life or multicultural um, resources or whatever the case may be. They chose these different specific subsets of student affairs. And that's a, a, at times much more difficult uh, situation um, because one, there's just less jobs. Um, two, there's people who maybe have more years of professional experience applying for those jobs. Um, and so, you know, for me, I just thought about what gives me the most experience in a host of different areas. You know, I get supervisory experience. I get, you know, actual housing experience and what that looks like. Um, I hopefully I'll get some conduct experience with within my residential buildings. Mm -hmm. um, and so you just get a bunch of different concepts, right? And you get to work with a lot of different group of people. And um, at the same time, too, for for entry level position, there's a lot of oh, excuse me. There's a lot of benefits for. Um, for professionals because in one of the work things we were worried about my wife and I were moving to Spokane we don't know when that no we know no one there we need to find an apartment we need to figure out you know how to get hooked up with the internet you know like just simple things right but in this transition and moving into the residential hall we were able to kind of have those things secured and so that's not you know our worries and concerns nearly as much it's kind of other things and so for us, that was a nice transition. You know, we were looking to take that adventure, um, and this, you know, seemed like the good opportunity in, in residence life to to take advantage of that and to kind of jump and, and kind of see what's out there and, and take a new trip. So um, outside of that, you know, I was just kind of in reflection. The biggest things that I think about is for a lot of people um, in your job search process, I feel like a lot of people tell you you just have to be patient and that you're going to find your fit and you just need to know what fit that, fit that is. Um, and I, I agree with those things, and at the time I agreed with those things, but that's a lot harder to understand and a lot harder to agree with when you're still searching. Right. And so for me, I think in, in reflection, I, I agree with those things, but I also think it's important to find ways for you to process the emotions that you're feeling. Um, so maybe that means just, you know, sitting down and talking with someone. Maybe that means you just need to get out the frustration you feel because um, at the end of the day, job searching is just tough. It's basically like picking up another job mm -hmm. um, and you're constantly searching and looking for things and, and hoping things come through and um, <clears throat> not all institutions out there are as transparent as I would have wanted them to be kind of with the entire process and where it was. But for me, when I really enjoyed a school and liked interacting with that institution, it was mostly focused on that they were very real, they were very honest, and they were very transparent. 
Um, I know that's probably, you know, being transparent is really important to me as a professional, um, and so that's probably a highlight there as well, but I think it's important to know what you're looking for out of an institution um, and to know that opportunities are opening all the time because what's happening is that there's a rotation of the way that things work, right? And so um, entry-level jobs are being left basically all the way, you know, up until late summer, even after, because people are um, in that entry-level position and taking another position. And so being diligent, I know, is exhausting when you start your search in January and you feel like May's here and you haven't had an on-campus interview. That's an exhausting phase of looking at your email, continuing to reapply. That can be incredibly exhausting, and I agree with that. Um, but I think the hope is is that as time progresses, you see more and more things actually come open and schools that you would have loved to apply for that now become open because someone accepted a position somewhere else. Um, and so, you know, sticking with that as much as you can, knowing what you want out of your institution, knowing what are the values that I want to I wanna hear. And I think the, the third thing, not from my experience, from some of my peers' experiences, knowing when at the end of the day, kind of what's your line for, does that fit what I'm looking for or not? I know that's really hard when you feel like you may only have one offer on the table and then it's the first one or maybe the second one or whatever the case may be. But you're sitting in that interaction and you're thinking about your experience and you, you, you can tell yourself that, that that wasn't what you wanted. I think that it's, it's hard to say, you know, I need to turn this down because it's not what I wanted. Um, but I think mostly it's just about being really honest with yourself and asking yourself, is that the place you feel called or that you feel passion for? Or do you think you could, you know, have a lot of joy in that current position or at that institution? And I think at the end of the day, you're only doing a disservice to that institution if you go in knowing, I, I won't enjoy this. This will, you know, go, you go in with a negative, in a negative place. Even though you're excited about having a new position, you're really hesitant about what's there. Mm. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you're going to find things that you're cautious towards. Anytime we take a step in a new direction, I think it's only natural to be cautious. But I'm talking about real, um, real doubts about kind of what the position maybe is and what you'll be doing and if you want to do that or what's just what you're looking for. Um, but I think it's really about sticking it out and, and trying to find kind of what works best for you, even though you may be completely terrified that no one will hire you. <laughs> I think that that's a real emotion that people face. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that that could very much happen and that you could have long periods of time where you don't hear anything, that's all a part of that process for you and, and, and trying to embrace it, even though you may be frustrated with it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good stuff there. I mean, I appreciate you sharing, you know, all the stuff from your story there and, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of morsels that I was sort of latching on there. I mean, like no job is going to be perfect. You just got to figure out like what's important for you and, yeah. um, kind of draw your lines in the sand of like, yeah, I guess some people would be like, yeah, I can't have a long gap of, you know, once I graduate not having a job or something. So they may need to take something earlier. So when, if they have mm -hmm. something good, you like it, you know, take it, don't like get all in your head of like, right. well, there might be something else. There might be something better. It's like, well, I mean, you could get a job earlier that, you know, you'll like, and it's not, you know, it's not going to be for an eternity, you know, like if you right, right. work there for a little bit and you sort of get some experience and things like, you know, I think it's just important for people like you're saying to figure out what's important them for them and do whatever you're doing for yourself. Like don't get caught up in sort of the rat race of it of just like, well, I don't want to get left behind with my cohort. They're all getting jobs. I just, right. you know, cause then, yeah, you'll make a decision and you're like, Oh man, I shouldn't have done that. I had a lot of doubts, but I was sort of, you know, silencing them or something. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I mean, and I, finally, I, go ahead. I just think it's important to think 
Two, um, what I did for myself was just set like a freak out date. <laughs> and what I tried to tell myself was like, before this date, you gotta be really patient. You gotta trust this. You gotta trust that there's a plan out there, that there's a fit for you. Believe in that. Um, but at a certain date, like you were saying, if you know this is your date, you know, and I called it freak out as a kind of a joke, but yeah. that concept is this is the date in which I have to seriously reconsider location, what the opportunities are, and really have to open up my lens of, you know, for me that was going to be, okay, it's not just the Pacific Northwest or Colorado anymore. I need to start looking Nebraska. I need to start looking Iowa. I need to look at the whole Midwest. And so I had set that date. Um, I didn't reach that date, but I knew that date was in the future. And so that kind of allowed me to say like, okay, like this was the moment in which I know I need to really open my lens and start looking at different opportunities. Yeah. And I feel like that can sort of correlate of like, I would need to renew a lease or my like on-campus apartment is done. like, yeah, it can sort of naturally fit with those. Like right. I will be homeless if I do not find right. a job at this time. Exactly. Or right. yeah, you have to sort of adjust of like, okay, I could go back home and live with my parents, but that would adjust of just like, you know, cause I think it's easier to do a search closer to where you are obviously, right. but right. Um, yeah. So definitely good to have those like, <laughs> yeah, like the, the freak out dates like, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I would give a shout out. We'll link to just so people can have a quick uh, link to it for TPE and uh, C3 and stuff. But yeah. um, I, I loved higher ed jobs, like the, how they send the job yeah. digests. And um, I think it's just a it's a good tool. That's where I found my job through. Yeah. Um, and I mean, because there's again, maybe that's that's a whole other episode. But stuff <laughs> was just like the job placement conferences and stuff, I think, can just oh, be yeah. a, they, I mean, they're, they're really good for, and it's the same thing with conferences, which I feel like that's another episode just talking about conferences because just there's right. a lot of stuff there to know a lot of opinions and feelings and all that. But exactly. Um, exactly. again, just what people are comfortable with. It's like you can kind of have the scattershot approach, get a lot of interviews with a lot of schools and stuff at the placement conferences. And um, it's good for face-to-face, of course. So yeah. Um, I guess as we, as we wrap up, um, I don't know if there's any other uh, resources like books or uh, articles or different things that you might want to share out um, uh, or just kind of final thoughts, advice just to, to leave people on. Yeah. So I had, I had read a book um, kind of as I was making my way into my graduate program and then kind of spent, spent time revisiting it. It's just called Beginning, Beginning Your Journey, A Guide for New Professionals and Students of Student Affairs. Um, and it's by Amy and Reeser and it's, a, it's, a, it's out of the NASPA published books, this line of series. And what I liked it was just kind of just a challenging you to think about what your professional career is going to look like and how that blends with your your personal career and kind of what it what does it all look like for you and so it's just kind of good shaping and framing understanding of being a young professional um, outside of that I think I referenced referenced it a little earlier but I think it's incredibly important as a resource to have a, a mentor or two that you can go back to and touch base with someone who's known you through your journey or at least someone who you've talked about your journey in the past with them um, just because they're an invaluable tool um, you know the better they know you the more they can help you process and think about things and challenge you to, to take on new things and I just think having a mentor is really really important and so I really encourage everyone to to reach out you know um, you know make contact with someone ask someone around you who you who you really value to kind of um, you know, touch base with you and, and be diligent about touching base with them, you know, whether that's meeting, um, you know, through Skype like this or meeting, you know, on the phone or whatever, be diligent about following up with those people because, 
you know, for my mentor, Dr. Carrie Petter, um, you know, she was actually came through the first year of this student affairs program at the University of Nebraska Lincoln, and so she's been an amazing resource, and you know, has known me throughout throughout my undergraduate degree and my graduate degree, and has just been there and has known my experience, and so in doing that, I think you build a lot of um, great resource with one person or two people. Um, the other thing I can think about is, um, at times, I think graduate school can be um, daunting and frustrating um, and can be challenging just because you are learning. For me spe specifically, I was learning a lot of different things and being challenged in a lot of ways. And um, my program was incredibly diverse in many facets. Um, and so it brought different perspectives. That, and we all challenged each other in a lot of ways. And we became close, but we're often challenging each other a lot. And so for me, one of the important things was finding a mechanism to get away from student affairs. And I, saw, I know that kind of sounds weird and different. Mm. But um, for my first year of my graduate degree, I actually lived with my brother and his wife in their new home. Um, and I kind of had my own separate apartment. And in doing that, I went home and talked to people who knew nothing about what happened in class, who knew nothing about one of the things we were talking about, who were amazing, fabulous people who cared and loved me, but could care less about kind of the concepts that I was, you know, kind of going through every day with people, you know, constantly. And so that was a great resource for me and, and finding a way to kind of vent about those frustrations and to have just kind of an open ear who was just, you know, who is just excited to talk to you and love on you and take care of you. And so that's one thing I encourage. And I know that's I'm I'm in a, a really a privileged position to be in that space right here with family and friends. And I know my other peers maybe not in the same place, but, you know, finding those um, those people is really important because at the end of the day, it's really nice to kind of go do something with someone who knows nothing about kind of all the things you may be uh, kind of facing and can really just give you like a fresh perspective um, and can just you care about you um, in, in a different way. Um, so that's something that I kind of recommend is, is finding people kind of outside the field to just have to live your life with um, as a way to kind of get fresh perspectives on things. Um, and the other thing I was talking about um, is, is really um, in graduate school I think you spend a lot of time reading. And I think that uh, the professors are really trying to think about what other ways do we challenge you to think about things. So for me, I, w I became very exhausted with reading. Um, and I wouldn't say I'm a kind of a natural reader as it is. So I try to find what are the other ways that I can gain knowledge. And so for me, podcasts, you know, exactly like this one, you know, um, and other podcasts that are out there that really challenge you to just think about something different. Again, maybe that's a mechanism for you to step away from being completely engrossed within a program. And so... Um, you know, I, I had put up kind of just some like general knowledge and things that challenge you. Um, there's a TED Radio Hour um, mm -hmm. podcast. I put on, uh, Dustin, you're, the Student Affairs Spectacular, I put that on here. You know, it is Student <laughs> affairs but it's, it's a different perspective and it's challenging you to hear people's stories in a different way. Um, you know, I'm also a big fan of kind of the NPR podcast. So I put This American Life. Um, which is, you know, a, a challenging one to understand different perspectives. And then StoryCorps, which I think is a kind of a great little snippet to kind of remind you about what people are facing in the world and the way that people kind of embrace each each day. And so for me, it was just thinking about what are the ways that I can kind of engross myself in different knowledge and then find ways to bring that back. Because there was oftentimes, you know, a, there was kind of a joke that I would, I would bring back this podcast information and talk about it in class because I found it to be incredibly applicable to the things that we were talking about because often these podcasts are about people. They're about different people, different ages, um, and we all know that right now it's we're not just facing like a monotheistic culture in, in college. Um, we're an incredibly diverse culture of ages and races, and ethnicities, and nationalities, and so 
knowing that I'm hearing these different stories kind of plays in the way that I become a professional. So those are just a few things I kind of wanted to throw out there as resources that I think are really useful. Yeah, that's all awesome stuff. Appreciate the shout out for our show here. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, I, yeah, I'm a huge fan of podcasts and just, yeah, I mean, it's a way to learn, I think, within the field because I think it's a burgeoning thing. I mean, higher ed, I think it, we're trying to get some more podcasts out there. But um, yeah, I listen to a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with higher ed, but I bring yeah. it back and then just, yeah, I mean, fostering yourself and your hobbies and getting outside of yourself and all that is all it's all really good advice and um yeah we'll link to everything we talked about here in the show notes and uh, uh yeah i mean that's uh it's a lot of great stuff i appreciate again just you sharing your story and your experience and uh, i think it'll be really helpful for people like i said either going into uh essay grad stuff or uh, people who work with essay grads they will benefit from hearing hearing it from the horse's mouth so to speak of just uh <laughs> yeah you know just like what the experience is and they could be like oh my gosh i never even realized that's what these people go through you know and like you know, obviously they just kind of come from their own perspective so um hopefully this reaches the right people you know they hear it and they uh, can continuously improve their efforts because i mean yeah it's it's a one-of-a-kind experience just like college i mean just condensed in a little bit less time but um and it can be tough and arduous but you get a bond with your cohort and you learn so much and grow and uh, I could do do good for students once you graduate and get out there in the field. So, um, yeah, it's just a it's a wonderful, wild experience, the essay grad world. So, uh, appreciate you talking about it. Appreciate you taking out some time here, Quint. And uh, yeah, well, uh, I'll talk to you later. Have a good day. Thanks, Dustin. All right, take it easy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Please leave us ratings and reviews in the iTunes store. It really helps us out, helps the podcast reach a wider audience, helps more people hear about it and know what we're doing, and all the great stuff we talk about every single week. So really appreciate it if you can click on over to the iTunes store and leave us some ratings and reviews. We really appreciate it.